G'day, everybody. It's time for the Saundo and Redders NDCA Suburban Districts podcast. Without any further ado, the great one is here, the voice of Port Stephen Sport, Dan Saunders. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, Redders. How are you, mate? Good to be here. Yeah, a lot of cricket happening in the last last week or so. There's a lot lots to talk about. Um, unfortunately, not too many games, but uh, there's the intriguing ladder of the suburban districts first grade just got a lot more intriguing. So these games were drawn. On oh, this is Saturday, the twelfth of February. Those of you that don't come from Newcastle, Newcastle got pogoed with a big storm on Friday night. Now, Dan. I'm not going to mention where you live in Newcastle. That's private matters. At, in your area, did it hoe down? Because I know for a fact that you don't live in inner city Newcastle where a lot of the flooding was. But did you cop it at your place or was it more down towards Hamilton, Wickham, Islington and places like that? Uh, yeah, significantly towards the city, the CBD and the coast. Uh, the traditional areas when we hear of like, like the Passion Bolka, for instance, floods back in 07. Uh, those areas got absolutely caned. The industrial highway at Mayfield. I was actually, I uh, was up in the Cessnock area around two, three o'clock. Yeah, um, and they got a heavy storm up there, and I just could hear people at the shops talking about, oh, Newcastle copping. I'm like, okay, look at the phone. I wasn't aware how bad we copped it here until I got home from doing what I was doing at about six, six thirty. So I sort of um, then got on online and um, saw how intense it actually was it's flooding in in king street flooding in parkway avenue um up towards bar beach uh, industrial highway of course and we get a spill of jerry can and it floods um but yeah no some significant rain so the games at adamstown merrywell carrington and redhead were washed out um no surprises all yet as you've mentioned nelson bay seemed to cop the reverse what we got not only did Nelson Bay get on, and I'll, I'll speak about when that game, one of the most pleasing feedback reports from the umpires regarding the ground of the facilities was um, exceptional. So, um, And then they got on at Jasmine Park. I'll just call that a minor miracle. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know Newcastle, again, the city of Newcastle right in town is right, of course, is on the Hunter River. So it's very, 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 it's alluvial floodplain. And there are right next to it are some very decent hills. So the water flies off the hills. And some of the areas that we're talking about are right down the flat. Industrial drive is almost at sea level. In fact, I'd suggest it's only a couple of metres, if that. And the areas that Dan's talking about, when that rains heavily, the water can't get away quick enough. So these games were drawn. Red, Redhead and Adams Towns, of course, Redhead's ground's only about a click from the beach, to be quite honest. That game was at Lyles, drawn. Now, um, Mary Ellen Mudrats and Port Stephens at Connolly Park, drawn. Newcastle City, Adamstown Rosebuds, West Waterboard, Adamstown Park, number two, without covers, if I've listened to Dan correctly over the season of our potties, drawn. Leading us to Nelson Bay and Merriweather at Don Waring Oval. And the first thing I'm going to say, Dan, in looking at the scores that I've done my homework on tonight, where the bloody hell's this been from Nelson Bay all season? Nelson Bay getting a very, very good score. Over to our great man, the guru, Dan Saunders, talk us through Nelson Bay beating Merriweather at Don Waring Oval. Look, um, a great result for Nelson Bay. It certainly kept them in touch with the top eight with two rounds remaining. Uh, we've commented many times through the season, Nelson Bay, they've been thereabouts. They haven't really been flogged in any games. They've been on the unlucky end of a couple of results and... Um, it's just been a matter of having their better players on the park at the same time. Now, Nelson Bay, 
have won the toss. They've elected to bat at early doors, three for 24. Here we go again. Can they bat their 40? Uh, Merriweather really in an all-but must-win situation to get their season going. Uh, we mentioned last week their last three rounds playing teams that surrounding them on the competition ladder. Um, Matt Palmer's been the backbone of the Nelson Bay team this season with a bat. Again, coming in at first drop, he's batted the inning 78 not out. Now, he's coming at one for two um, with Ben Troke knocking uh, Pete Lester over in seven balls. So I'd say it's about the third over that Matty Palmer's come in and he's batted through to over 40. Um, six fours, four sixes. So a lot of defence in that innings when 48 of his runs have come in boundaries. Um, Bryce Causley, who mid-season seemed to have found some form, can hit a long ball. And that yep. seven sixes and one only one four and that 59 from 53, but a 76 and 11, 87 run partnership for the fourth wicket. That's what Nelson Bay have been missing this season. Correct. Partnerships. Uh, partnerships and scoring at four and a half and over. We have spoken repeatedly about the scoring rates. And in this competition, one on even decks, and it looks like they, that this obviously this game wasn't affected by rain, which um, although the other scores were very low, but if you get four and over, that is very competitive. Well, Nelson May have decided to turn it on. Just to let you know what kind of extraordinary day it was, they scored 13 sixes, Nelson May. They hit 13 bombs. Out of, out of eight for 179 off 40 overs. So they've got eight for 101 off 38 overs and 78 off the other off the other two overs, basically. Um, and Palmer and, and Causey have set them up two for to Troke, Pratton and Waters. Um, and a superb performance by Nelson Bay with the bat, Dan, and that they would be going back saying, why couldn't we do this? Um, during other parts of the season. that When we go through the ladder, they are very much in, in contention, but things have got to go their way because they're a win. They're, they're two points and quotient behind the team that's eighth, who it turns out, I think, you'll find of their opponents. Um, and then over to Merriweather's innings, and they um, mustered up a typical Merriweather score, 152 of 38, grounded away, didn't give up. But in the end, um, beaten by some pretty good bowling, really, particularly from Blythe. Yeah, and this was Matt Blythe's first game of the season. Very interesting to note. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the circumstances behind that, but I thought eight overs, three maidens, four for 21. That's a great performance. And I thought that name's not familiar. I went back and had a look. His first game of the season. Um, great effort. Look, Merriweather, again, they've gone at four and over, 152 all out in the 38th over. That's exactly four and over. Um, they lost Tim Cameron in the second over for a duck. Then they've put on 48 for the second wicket. And then wickets in clumps. They've lost uh, Darren Cussins for a duck, which hurt big time. Jason Pratt, yep. who's been the backbone of their run scoring the last month or so, out for five. Um, Troy Hodges and Jared Marlborough putting on a partnership there of 50 in the middle order. Uh, just and they were a chance. So let, let's just talk about that if I can cut you off. At 112 for one, two, three, four, five. At six for 112, she's game on. Six for 112, it's game on. Yeah, well, they, they Merriweather lost three for zero prior to that. At, at three, well, at two for 49 when they lost Darren Cousins. Yeah. Then they lost, got to 62, they lost Dan Pratton and Pride um, within the space. And that's where Blythe just ripped through the middle order. Um, taking three for none in a handful of balls. That's what's derailed the inning. Six for 112, they could have consolidated. Um, but then once they lost Marlborough, 
then into the tail. And um, the tail hasn't really wagged, but Marlborough of 29. Brit 19 not out with three fours. Uh, Trokes three, Waters two. Look, it was a game Merriweather would have had earmarked to win to get their late season going. A great result for Nelson Bay. And that puts them within distance of eight. And going into this round, they're playing the team coming 10th. So Nelson Bay's season, they're in control of their destiny. If they can win their last two, they will finish in the top eight. Um, But while we're on this game, there was some very impressive, very positive feedback come through from the umpires report in this game. Um, And this has been passed on to the club and directly to the curator. Now, Dougie Rowland, who is the skipper of this team, is also the curator of Don Waring. And I believe it was the first rating. Well, the ratings we get around a five and the majority come through at around a three, which is basically good. Uh, Don Waring received a four in all categories on the weekend and a glowing written report from the umpire of um, the outfield, the wicket. The uh, There is a brand new um, amenities facility there that's recently opened, which is, of course, out of the player's control. Uh, but it made just for a very pleasant afternoon all round for the players and the umpire as well. So um, a big congratulations to Dougie Rowland and well done to the Nelson Bay Cricket Club because uh, a lot of people don't like to travel up to the Bay for a game of cricket and more so when the conditions aren't so great. But to go up there and it'll be a pleasure, pleasurable game, um, that's that's fantastic. And, and Nelson Bay, the history of A-grade um, experience in like competition, social cricket, Newcastle for for decades. So hopefully they'll be able to build on that in the off season. And with COVID, hopefully a thing of the past, their numbers can look to get back up to three and four teams and maybe bolster that for further runs in the top division. Merriweather, on the other hand, uh, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> and, that, and that says it. That says it all. That's all you need to say. That that and that in itself, silence can sometimes be golden. We know that from being commentators. Sometimes there are times you just sit back and observe and say nothing. The Ronan Keating approach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't don't get me started about what's going on on Sunday, but we'll talk about that at another time. Um, so the other game that was played has got huge permutations for the latter. So this was what co-tenants Walls End and West. Uh, journeyman played um, in a reduced overs game at Jesmond Park. And it was a 32 overs a side game, everybody, 32 overs a side. So they've actually, as Dan said, given that Jesmond does take water not overly well, they've done very well to get a game of cricket. Wall's End, um, most unlike them, ground their way, and I'm sure this is on a wetty. There's no other way to describe it. Only two boundaries in the innings, but Dan has described before repeatedly that Jesmond is a thick, plush outfield. And they made nine for 88 of 32 overs. Nine for 88 of 32, with only three players making double figures and then Mr. Extras, the fourth player making double figures. Dasari, a very famous name, that famous name, Andrake, put on 36 between them in the middle order, and that's, in the long run, been pivotal. Um, Walls End also took uh, face nine wides, which also didn't help. I'll come, but Cole, come back to Dan in a minute. And then in an extraordinary game of cricket, we saw a few on the weekend, but this one's amazing. West Journeyman dismissed with one ball to go, one run short. And the last wicket was a run out. Dan Saunders, what a game of cricket and how important is this for Wall's End? They've been okay lately. They've been clutch, as the Americans would say. Over to you, sir. 
Yeah, look, um, what what ended up a fantastic game of cricket scoreboard wise. So this game actually commenced on time, and after six overs, uh, Vikram Chambers, uh, sorry, Rowan Mopples dismissed. Sorry, Vikram Chambers, the person we get down. When the wicket fell at twenty in the sixth over, they left the field because there was um, a rain delay. So they got away on time, I understand. Um, and it was due to the time that was then lost, become a rain-reduced fixture. Um, but again, Prasine Dazari, 22. Mandrake, a 14. Vikram Sharma, 16. Uh, two sixes, four fours in that innings. Would have been very, very tough going. I'd suggest 88 and that 32 was a very good score. And it's as it's turned out, it was just enough. Um, some very tight bowling. Dave Sullivan, two for 14 from six. Um, Sammy Vashaw would mention how economical he is. Seven overs, three runs, two for 11. I'd say it looks like bowlers could only two could bowl a maximum of seven. So the maximum of eight would have been restricted there. Um, Scott O'Donoghue, who uh, had a good game for the journeyman last, last game they played two weeks ago. He's backed up here uh, with three for 21 from six. And as we'll see in their innings too, he was the backbone of their innings. But the journeyman in their run chase was six for 13. And there's the game. There's the game in a nutshell, getting six for 13. And there's one thing about Wall's End, they do strike early. They've got some handy uh, opening and first change bowlers because they seem to regularly um, get into sides early on. Yeah, look, and Shafiq Syed, and this, I guess, is the bowling performance of the week as well. Wow. Seven over, one maiden. Five for eight. But he's ripped out the top three. And then he's come back and cleaned up the tail, including the wicket of Vashaw, who was becoming a bit of a problem there at the back end of the innings. Um, he was a part of a 41-run partnership between O'Donoghue and himself that got them from six for 13 to six for 54. And they then lost another two for zero before another 29-run partnership with Harry Cornford and Sammy Vashaw. Um it looks like, look, they've had to take the run. Second last ball, the innings, pressure and everything. It's, it's happened. It's, it's, there's two fielders involved in the run out. Yep. Um, would have just been held a skelter. Yeah, but the journeyman, three boundaries, two sixes in the run chase. It would have been very tough batting conditions that yes. the journeyman went from being skittled early to get back in the fight. That shows me a team that's getting primed for semifinals. And uh, 12 wides um, that were bowled to the journeyman. So, in fact, West won the wide count. And when you – we've spoken about this before. When you have official umpires um, in this competition, the wide count does increase, and that's just that's just cricket. Um, Dan, just one question. Pardon my ignorance. Um, I don't see the term DLS mentioned here. Is DLS in um, – does it apply in suburban districts first grade? It does. It applies once the second innings has commenced and then if there's an interruption. Okay, so uh, this is coming from me as a scorer. When you have an interrupted first innings, you're supposed to have a recalculated first innings score. So the, the reason I say that is this, is that if Wall's End faced six overs and then went off and they had reduced overs, when you there's a target that you do on Duckworth-Lewis and what ha- should have happened is that and I'm interested to see if this actually happened and maybe do a bit of research on it. West should have had an increased target because West knew what score they were getting and how many overs they were getting. Walls End didn't. 
And that's yeah. actually, and I've done a little bit of scoring my time, and as you know, and that's that's how it works. I'm not being critical at all. I'm just curious because the term DLS isn't mentioned in there. I'd be very curious to see if their target wasn't 95 or 96 because there was an interruption. It doesn't look like that's happened, but that's no, actually I, I think they've just reduced the overs from what I guess their boss. So 16 overs for the game. They probably lost 64 minutes, four minutes and over. That's right. I would suggest that was – and there was an official umpire, so I assume that would have been the decision made. And then any if there had been – it was quite a good day on Saturday. Um, so just a matter of how much damage happened on the Friday afternoon with all the rain. So, yep. um, yeah. But, um, look, a great, a great win for Wall's End. Uh, a setback for the journeyman, but what it's done to the latter is a very interesting uh, talking point. And beautiful segue. Here is the ladder from 10th to 1st. This is the Suburban District's first grade ladder. Adamstown Premier Hotel basically can't make the eight. Everybody else can. The Premier Hotel, 24. Nelson Bay now, 24. Importantly, their quotient, 0.75. Merriweather are 8th and vulnerable, 29. 1.07 quotient. The Rosebuds on 30, then Redhead on 32, and the West Journeyman. West Journeyman ahead, importantly, because that well, it doesn't affect them because they'd still get a home final on 32. Walls End leap into the double chance, everybody. They are now on 32, four points, with 34 points with a quotient of 0.92. The Waterboard are 35 on 1.24. The Mud Rats will finish in the top four. I don't think there's any question about that. 37 points on 1.32. Uh, and um, well, Port Stevens don't have an easy draw, but I think Port St- it's reasonably fair to say Port Stevens are going to be very hard to miss from uh, to, to miss the minor premiership. And again, so we do this every week. If the finals were played this Saturday, and uh, um, there's storms happening here right now, and the weather forecast in Newcastle is poor for Saturday, not just gloomy, it's poor. You're talking 100 points of rain. Port Stevens would host Walls End at King Park. Mary Ellen would host... Uh, the West Water Board at Connolly. The West Journeyman would host Merriweather at Jezzo and Redhead <laughs> would get a home final against Newcastle City Adamsdown. So Nelson Bay sit two points out of the four, out of the eight. Remember, you can only make up in any um, suburban districts game a maximum of two points. The other team has to lose and you have to win. And we've been talking about Merriweather's quotient for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it may come, They it may save them, Dan. Their quotient may end up st- um, saving them. It'd be very interesting to see. Your thoughts on the ladder as it stands? Yeah, look, Merriweather's actually got the fourth best quotient of the 10 teams in the comp. And I really think the way things have lined up there, that's going to be their buffer. Um, looking at the ladder, the, the weather does look very poor this week. And I've had severe concerns about any turf getting on. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but it's it's not. Oh, that's, a, that's across all aspects of NDCA cricket, yet alone in, 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 in suburban districts. I have grave fears for all grade cricket, given that we're they're talking six to twenty-five mils, and the the rain's going to load up between nine and one. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, we'll, we'll assume all games will go ahead, but it's um, let's just say it could be a very quick podcast next week. It could. The draw next week, ladies and gentlemen, is important. So, of course, it's important, David. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> the teams that are right on the cusp of the eight have interesting games. 
Nelson Bay are playing away to Adamstown Premier Hotel. If it rains, Nelson Bay will get a draw, and that doesn't help them at all. Nelson Bay would be, be well advised to get some covers from somewhere, but it won't happen. Merriweather host the Rosebuds at Connolly. Merriweather win once, and Nelson Bay draw. Merriweather's in, and the eight's done. The journeyman host Redhead at Blackley, and given it's... Uh, you know, it'd be interested to see if they get on. Port Stevens have a very, very the lot, bottom two games in our draw here that we're looking at the NDCO website are fascinating. Port Stevens host Walls End one v four, a possible curtain raiser to the first weekend of the finals. Dan Saunders, and the last game is the Waterboard hosting the Mudrats. Very, very interesting draw. Of course, this is a, a mathematical draw. It just happens to be that this weekend is is really, really interesting. Yeah, look, as it's been announced there, you've got Team 10 playing Team 9. You've got Team 8 playing Team 7. Team 5 playing Team 6. Team 1 playing Team 4. And Team 2 playing Team 3. So Which is absolutely got... remarkable. Mathematically, that is unbelievable. So if, if this round was to be washed out, um, the top eight as it is is basically safe. Going into the last round... Nelson Bay would have to make up not only a victory, um, but, but also a massive leap in quotient. Now, I know in that last round, Nelson Bay hosts the journeyman. Merriweather at play the Premier Hotel. Nelson Bay have to play this weekend. Nelson Bay have, have to the, play. They have to play. And they also need to make a bit of a statement. They are playing the Premier Hotel. It is down here at Adamstown. Um, what Nelson Bay... Again, as I said, they hold all the cards. They, they can control their destiny, but not only do they need to win on the weekend and they'd fancy themselves against the team who are coming 10th, but they need a crushing win because they really need to bump that quotient up and hope Merriweather, uh, who are playing Rosebuds, their Rosebuds have got a, a point lead. They're, they're going to want to solidify their spot and potentially, you know, a chance of maybe getting into sixth. Um, I don't, I see them finishing in that seven, eight position, but a victory on the weekend by Rosebuds. Um, they joined the loser of Journeyman Redhead on 33 points, uh, which would then go down to quotient. So this is a vital round for the ladder. Um, and it's, I mean, last week we said very similar. It was very similar how it was 1v2, I think three were playing four, uh, and sort of the top, the bottom six were playing each other. This round's, you've got, Potentially, what? Yeah, one v four, two v three. Potential semi-finals come a month early, um, and then five v six, seven v eight. They're all playing for their spots, and it's. I mean, I really hope that uh, games get on this week. And that journeyman redhead game. Both teams on thirty-two points. Um, the winner of that, if the Pythons beat Walls End, actually jump into fourth spot. <laughs> it is a huge weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, and can I make mention of something that we have discussed previously? If you take away the two, um, uh, basically what you call Omicron draws at the start of the season, the journeymen have had six weekends where they haven't got a result. Six. Mm -hmm. So instead of having an opportunity, even if they win half those games, half, right, there's more points for them and they're up into the top two or even on an equal first. And remember that Port Stevens have had them, of all the teams in the comp, Port Stevens, Walls End, Redhead and the Premier Hotel, strange enough, have all had the least draws. 
And um, just the luck, the, the vagaries of the weather. It has been a wet, mild season. Um, and that's indicative. You can actually, I would love to see the average first innings score in a 40-over game this year. I reckon it wouldn't be much past 140 over the length of the season, maybe 145. But you think about how many low-scoring games we've um, spoken about, 88s to 87s, 90. West Journeyman have won a couple 93 to 80 or things like that. Just It's just been one of those seasons, hasn't it, Dan? Uh, look, it's, it's been a... It's been an interesting season. Last year was similar. This year's probably been affected more so with that second round of Corona, um, the Omicron, as you stated, plus with weather. Um, one thing very interesting on the later here, Dave, I'm not sure if you've picked up on it, but something I also look at is the runs for wickets taken, wickets lost, runs against. And uh, Redhead have scored the most runs off the bat this season out of all 10 teams, which yep. really then goes into what I've been saying about Redhead. They, they just go about their business. They they They... They're not paid by the hour. If they're all at 30 overs, they've got 160 on the board. They're happy with that. They score big, but having against, and it's actually comparable, not too bad. When you look at West Waterboard, and they've played nine games, only one less game, they've only had 962 against them, which is it's nearly 100 runs better than the next team, which is the Pythons. So looking at that, the Waterboard, We've got the ability to roll teams cheaply, and Reddit have got the ability to put totals on anyone. So it's there's a lot. I mean, statistics can be interpreted how you wish to interpret them to back your argument, <laughs> but the raw stats there, it's um. But there, there's there a lot is, of twists. There's still some twists and turns to go in this competition. hundred percent. It's actually quite fascinating. And remember, there's a four week final series. The interesting thing with Reddit is their their questions less than one which means that they've they've struggled in other areas. They've given up 99 wickets. So in 10 matches that they've played, they've averaged 9.9 wickets every innings. So they're always all out. And if you That's go right. up to Mary Ellen, Mary Ellen's one game's one down, three down, two down. They've lost 59 wickets and that's, that's where you get your quotient. Mary Ellen's quotient is so superb because they've lost 59 wickets and taken 85. Port Stevens have an, an outstanding quotient because they have their runs to wickets and runs for and runs against quotients are superb. So they, they put you away. And yeah. that's what Redheads have got two weaknesses there. They tend to leak runs uh, on occasion. Okay, and in and in 10 in 10 games, they're the average score against them is 127.6. But the other side of that is that in 10 games, their batting average batting performance is 157.6. Uh, yes. So and, it's, and, um, yeah, yeah their look, ability to bowl teams out to, a worry. The teams in the top eight, um, yeah, they're averaging only taking seven wickets a game, where the rest of the teams are pushing high eights to nine wickets a game. Uh, if, Dan, if this, uh, time for some opinions here. If this ladder finishes as it is, and I think there's a very good chance there is, and that's weather-based, that is not result-based. Can you see anything in reality? Are Port Stevens and Mary Ellen very strong favourites to play in the big dance? Or will one of the West Side's redhead or Wall's End worry them? Uh, Talk to me through what you see now. Two rounds out over the season. Are you seeing Port Stevens and Mary Ellen as a glaring at probably at well, it'll be the best ground possible. But if if it's Pythons, do you think Pythons and Mud, Mud Rats is good a good chance? 
Oh, look, I think it's a very good chance. And once again, these ga- these games are actually live happening this Saturday. That's how the fixtures have worked out. One are playing four, two are playing three. So this conversation next week, assuming games go ahead, will be answered for us. Um, I, I personally, I think the Pythons have got too much class across the board to beat Wall's End, um, especially at this end of the season. The thing with Wall's End is, and similar to Redhead, how they approach their cricket. Now, they're going up to King Park. And they know they need to win this game to really um, uh, solidify their spot in the top four. There's a possibility of jumping the third with a victory. Um, if the Mudrats knock off waterboard, third spot's all theirs for the taking and be outright third. The Mudrats, look, they've got a lot of depth. And I, I'm just, as the season gets longer and longer, the waterboard have been the surprise packets for me. I'm the first to put my hand up and say, and I don't want to say they've overachieved because that would be disrespectful. My opinion, I guess, at the start was the journeyman would be the stronger of the two teams. And the water board, you know, I, I honestly, I saw them in that bottom half of the draw. Um, they've been fantastic. Six wins, three losses um, this season. Um, and they've got a couple of very handy cricketers. Mitch Cronin, who played in the, the Summer Bash uh, Rebels representative team. And Dan's Dave. wearing that shirt proudly quite uh, right now, and we're doing a Zoom quarter record time. It's actually my upper body full chest tattoo, Dave. It's not a shirt. Uh, very good. <laughs> I'm most impressed. I love the lolly. Yeah. Um, I mean, James Earl has uh, really been a, a, a godsend for the waterboard as well. Um, I've only seen one game this year where the Mudrats have just been rickrolled, and I think that was against Reddit at Lyle. That was just a day I think they just rather forget. I think Redhead got about 170 then bowled them out for about 50 or 60. Um, sounds about right. I, 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 if you were to ask me who I think would win those fixtures as it stands, if I was putting money in it, I'd be on the Pythons defeat Walls End and the Mudrats to defeat Waterboard. Um, but they're, they're top four teams and it would not surprise me. Port Stevens have lost one game all year. They're due a loss. Okay, they the Mudrats wash out on the weekend, which was a game I'd actually thought the Mudrats would would get the the nod on them yes. to prove a point. Um, going right down to the, you know for the minor premiership. Now that you know the Pythons win on the weekend, the minor premiership sewn up. Um, so I think they've got all the incentive there to to get the chocolates, and the Pythons face Redhead in the last round. Um, I think they'd like to try and save that minor premiership ship up because if they were to be upset by Red and Redhead will be playing for everything because if, if Redhead don't beat the journeyman they're going to need to win to still try and keep a spot in that top six to host in that uh, the elimination finals in the first week of the of the quarterfinals because team five can get knocked out week one but they've got the advantage of hosting same as team six so so just for our fans mm-hmm. how far through the final series do teams that are the highest seed get host rights, please? I think everybody, uh, this is important business. Uh, certainly the grand final will be played from, to quote you last week, best possible ground. Is that correct? Best possible grounds available, um, but that's still in discussion. That's, that's a very fluid yep, situation. Be. Yeah, because we're taking into account, see our... our um, the first two rounds of our final series clash with the last two-day game of the NDCA. So none of the NDCA grounds are available, so the finals have to be played on Subby's grounds, correct? That's right. Where the semi-finals and the final, or grand final, 
we may, and I'm not saying we will, we may have the opportunity of using some of the NDCA first grade grounds. Now, if they're available, and especially if, you know, uh, the Mudrats of Merriweather, they're out of Merriweather. If Townsend Oval's to be available and one of them were in the grand final, well, the grand final may not be at Connolly Park, for instance. It could well be at Townsend Oval. Um, there's still discussions about whether would the grand final go to Raymond Terrace if the Pythons were to... Um, Qualify. Yeah, so there's you know, George Farley at Wall's End. Um, and I know highly unlikely, but Harker Oval, if that was to be available, I'm sure they'd rather play there than at Blackley or Jesmond Park. So lot, still a lot of pieces moving, but as far as your question... Um, Waratah's going to be Waratah could be available, although they've got good strong lower grades. But Waratah, which is one of the best located and best grounds in town, is also a possibility there. Possibly, and for a number of years towards the back end of the CNS competition, the, the A grade final was used used Waratah Oval. So yes, um, it's there's a whole lot of options. But at the end of the day, we'll be ensuring that the best possible grounds get the best possible games of cricket. To answer your question, though, we're able, the highest highest team, so the teams who finish in the 1, 2 or 5, 6 in week 1, they will host. We're, we're able. If they're unable to host, and what I mean by that is, let's say in Div... Um, okay, I, I think in Div 2 and 3, Maryland Fletcher, for instance, they share Bill Elliott Oval and they're both likely to finish top 2. Yep. Obviously, they both can't play on Bill Elliott. So, Div 2 would be offered first rights on Bill Elliott. If they say yes, we would have to come up with um, alternate turf wickets that are of a decent standard that are available to offer their Div 3. But we're practical. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, if first and second place throughout the grades will trump fifth and sixth as well. So, if you finish first in Div 6 and it clashes with a fifth or sixth host in Div 2, because they've finished top of the table, they'll get preference is my understanding. That, that makes sense. That, yeah. that makes sense. No, I just think it's relevant for people. So the final series is 5-9, correction, 5-12-19 and 26 March. Dan, in the final series in suburban districts first grade, can yes. those finals be played the next day? Okay, so any game that's washed out on the 5th, the 12th or the 19th, the yes. highest placed... Uh, or highest grader will go through. They will not be no, replayed. Everybody, no replays. If it's done, it's done. Grand, grand final. final. And my understanding is this is this for all grades, but I need to have that confirmed. They are looking this year at playing them on the Sunday because I don't believe any grounds have been booked for April. The grand finals fall on the last Saturday of, of March. It coincides with the Saturday-Sunday uh, NDCA finals, or grand finals in one to, grades one to four. Um, I'm not sure if that's been made public yet, and it needs to go out to clubs. As discussion was had last night um, at a club forum about that, um, where in what happened last season, divs one and two uh, on turf with a backup week, divs three through eight played turf but had a backup synthetic. And as it turned out, remember with the rain we had last year, um, I think it was divs three, four, and eight moved to synthetic, but all grand finals went ahead. Noah and, and his arc visit. We were supposed to play at Carl Oval and it was literally underwater. It was quite, I think it was something like 175 mils of rain. It was quite extraordinary. Now, can divisions one and two in suburban districts 
If they get washed out on grand final day, the 26th of March, can their games the next bay day be played on a hard wicket or only turf? So it's a, so the, it's from third grade down, your backup ground to get a game you can be played on a hard wicket. I think that's relevant. And I suggest the reason is is because they don't play on hard wickets the entire season. That's right. We made a, a very conscious decision. Obviously, Div 1's all turf. We made a very conscious decision to ensure all Division 2 games were turf as well and that was from the start of the season yep. uh, the main reason for that is any team that may come up to Div 1 in the future is going to come from Div 2 you would think um, and again the, the integrity of the competition trying to maintain like a premier Division 1 competition but wanting the next grade down to be as strong as possible if they're playing on sort of rank council grounds that aren't up to standard at, 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 it's the credibility of the competition. And what we have found this year has been a couple of teams who their gradings may or may not have happened because of the grounds they've got to um, overability. And there's, that has shone through and something that will be rectified for next season. So um, it's been good because it's a learning process. There's only season two of the comp, or I've been calling it season 1B, because we haven't had a chance to have a full strength competition with COVID, with the weather, with sort of the issues that plagued over the last couple of seasons with, with other organisations. But um, two weeks out from the finals, I'm really looking forward to it. The feedback been getting about the 18 finals concepts has been fantastic. Um, so we just need the weather just to, you know, for the next six weeks just to be nice. Rain from April, go nuts. No, thanks. That's in the footy season. Now, <laughs> my fr- that sort of brings to a, a, a natural conclusion our discussion on suburban districts cricket. However... Dan Saunders and I have got a, a long day with each other on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. I've got the privilege of being in the comm box with Saundo and Lucas Holmes for the NCC Summer Bash Finals at Passmore Oval in Wickham with the Tigers, the Magpies, the Pumas and the Maitland Flood um, doing battle in the semifinals and the finals in the afternoon. So 9-12, just for a little anachronism, the final will be delayed an hour and it'll start at 4 um, that's an, for another time and another discussion. However, Dan, looking forward to being in the com box with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm just saying that they're the times, 9, 12 and 4. And we'll be on, it'll be a live stream. Saunders, Saunders will be running a market in the commentary box, I'm telling you. And uh, looking forward to spending the day with you, watching some good summer bash. And the reason it's relevant is because the suburban district's relevant rebels play in the NCC summer bash. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to the day. It'd be great to actually be in a commentary box and, and not under a marquee or if it's past yep. the build, underneath nothing. Um, it'd be good to be out of the elements and some electricity, um, maybe an esky there with some cold Gatorade on the side as well. Look, the, the anomaly, which I don't think a lot of people have picked up on, I know that you will have, but the, set, the quarterfinals on last Wednesday night, I the privilege of covering the game, which was Team 3v Team 6, I believe. It was... Uh, you, needed, you needed candlesticks. My God, it was dark in the coverage. Oh, my goodness, mate. And it was sunny. Now, as dark as it looked on the coverage, it was... I thought it come up well on the frog box compared to how dark it was. It was... The, I needed the, the car in with the lights on to pack up. <laughs> hate the name drop, but if the same thing happened at the SCG. If you watch the Twilight game, Lake Mac and ACT on Monday night, the light for not for one one until the lights took it was very gloomy and the cameras really filled basically filtrate the light. So you were talking about the anomaly? Yeah, um, so the quarterfinals were held last Wednesday night. And so team one played team eight, team two played team seven, three played six, four v five. 
all the top four got bumped. They all got beat. Remarkable. Um, so the seedings for this Sunday, Team 5, which is Charlestown, are playing Wall's End, I believe, in the first game at 9 so o'clock. it's Magpies and Tigers in the early set. That's correct. And then the so, Pumas play the Flood at midday. And the Flood, of course, is the Maitland Flood, who have been the, the giant killers of this competition. And congratulations to them. Yep. Uh, like Maryland Fletcher Cricket Club and the Dennis Broad Cup made it to the semifinals and... Unfortunately, on the end of a well, a five-over side game, which still was, I actually I rewatched that the other night, so I was really bored. Um, but I really enjoyed watching some of the the, the hitting, uh, Ben Herring and, and a couple of guys there for the Maryland Fletcher. But um, no, it looks Sunday, and and the forecast is bright, sunny, twenty-nine. So hopefully we don't get too much. Like if it does rain Saturday, hopefully it's not too bad, so it wrecks Sunday. But no, the, it'll it'll be a good day, and if anyone's keen to watch some um. Local T20 cricket, Passmore Oval at Wickham. Um, free entry, uh, big grandstand there. Uh, the game's being live streamed through the NDCA YouTube channel through the Frog Box. So um, there'll be another NDCA competition wrapping up for the season. Um, no, nah, but look, looking forward to it. It's always fun. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some mischief. There'll be mischief, don't you worry about that. The voice of Port Stevens Sport, Dan Stevens will be Dan Saunders will be right in his element alongside Lucas James Holmes. And I've got the privilege of sharing the com box with the two great men. Uh, should be a terrific day. Really looking forward to that. So again, make sure you um that is if you can't get there, it's being live streamed. Fingers crossed the weather goes ahead. Two four very good sides. Um Hamwick's playing at home. It's uh, going to be really interesting. Charlestown's got some players in ominous touch. They've got three batsmen in the top six in Newcastle grade cricket at the moment. And um, it's going to be really uh, – that's the magpies. That is going to be a really interesting day. Cannot wait for that. Um, so it, it really is the, the combination of a good competition. And the um, Although Maitland beat my boys, which still hurts, it is very good to see them being genuinely competitive, whereas mm. the, the previous seasons that might not necessarily be in the case, not wishing to be nasty. Dan, any, now we've got a five for eight off seven. Just to finish off, we've always got stats. Have you got a stat other than five for eight off seven? What have you got, big man? I, I do have one stat, and it also leads into one other thing I wanted to announce to congratulate a club, or a couple of clubs actually. But um, on Saturday in Division 6... Warners Bay were playing Newcastle City Sabres. Now, this was a battle of team tied eighth versus tied eighth, or eighth versus ninth at the time, I believe. Um, now, the result, not too fussed on that. Uh, Warners Bay batted first in their 35 overs and scored four for 285. Thank you. Holy cow. Yeah, so just a touch over eight runs and over. Um Opening the batsman, opening the batting was Daniel Burns, who's hit 114. Um, now, for some reason, his, his teammates' fours and sixes have all been entered. He's haven't. I can't believe he scored 114 and gone boundaryless. He was actually run out. Um, City in their run chase. It, it, it looks like it's been a bit of a fun day because everyone's been given a bowl. I think even the keeper. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, that doesn't sound right because we've got twelve bowlers listed. We might stop talking. Um, but City and the run chase have uh, been dismissed for two hundred and two. So well done to Daniel Burns for scoring one hundred and fourteen. But the main thing that sticks out from this game is that the Warners Bay Cricket Club had their McGrath Foundation Pink Stumps Day for this game. Um, Newcastle City joined in on the day. 
Warner's Bay raised $2,252 in an afternoon. So fantastic fantastic to Warner's Bay, fantastic to Newcastle City for supporting that. Um, That's that's a huge effort. Now, there was one other Division 6 game on the weekend, the Adamstown Hunters, who um, for a number of seasons, they've been very strong supporters of the Pink Stumps Day. They played... um, the other team tied eight. There was a three teams tied on 23 points going into the, that last round. Um, they hosted the Maryland uh, Fletcher team and they raised $1,093.50. So that's the Adamstown Hunters um, in conjunction with the Maryland Fletcher Cricket Club. So for those four clubs, I just wanted to give them a shout out. Well done. Um, they've obviously had a lot of fun in both those games. It's great to see that the cricket and, and supporting cricket and supporting such a worthwhile cause um, taking precedence over competition points. So, um, yeah, well done, Adam St. Hunters, Maryland Fletcher, Warners Bay and Newcastle City. Absolutely wonderful. Well done, everyone. Speaking of Warners Bay, will Mr. Tomato had Absalom be there on Sunday, there or thereabouts? I must say, David Absalom on the weekend celebrated his 200th club game for Warners Bay. Um, he celebrated that with two off 16 and got rolled for 37. Oh, it sounds like Jimmy New. Sounds like Jimmy Newburn form the the resident pest. There's something in the water in the in that Bay Peninsula, I guess. But uh, David Absalom, I believe, will be gracing us with his presence on Sunday, and he'll um, certainly be worth his weight in gold with all the running around and, and help he does. He's a great man, and um, yeah, well done on 200 games. He'll be under 30 years of age and played 200 games. It's a pretty impressive milestone. Yeah, he's got a well-lived-in head if he's under 30, let me tell you. And that's coming from someone that's got a well-lived-in head. I'll be looking forward to seeing the tomato head of himself. He's a good man. He's, a, he's done a great job. Dan, thank you. so. I'm, I'm, Dan's up laughing his head off here because I'm having a bit of a, a gentle dig at David Absalom. But I thought you knows. were the straight guy and I was the funny man. <laughs> you are a lot funnier than me, but anyway, just an occasion I've entitled. Mate, thank no, you so much, Dan. Thanks for your time tonight. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Once again, tune in from about 5 to 9. Uh, live streaming with the uh, two semi-finals, the, the uh, Walls End Tigers and Charles and Charlestown Magpies first at nine, then the Maitland Flood and the and the Pumas at midday. Take care, Dan. Thanks so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you next week. Pleasure, Dave. Thank you.